So I want to talk a little bit about how to deal with this argument in the clinic. I mean, let's yeah. say that you are in primary care, maybe you're a, a pediatrician, mm -hmm. right? And then a, it's time to get the, give the kid vaccinations. Uh, and the parent says, I don't want to give my kid vaccinations because my cousin gave their kid the MMR vaccine and now their kid has autism. Like, what do you tell that parent? Sure. <laughs> I... You know, from my, here, I mean, go ahead. like, yeah. I guess, I guess my opinion over it is it's like, like, like you can't just argue your, your way and you can't just argue and convince the other person that you're right and they're wrong because people have very strong feelings about this subject. And it's like arguing over religion or it's like mm -hmm. arguing over politics, right? Yeah. Nobody wins. And by the end, everyone's just pissed off. Yeah. And so like, how do you do, how do you deal with that as a doctor um, when you face that argument? Hey everyone, you're listening to the Medical School Podcast, a show that inspires medical students, pre-meds, and even residents to maximize their medical education. My name is Danny Sullivan, and I'm sitting down with doctors and future doctors who share their story and advice. All right, uh, welcome back everyone to the Medical School Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Sullivan, and once again, in part, this is part three, I have a guest, uh, Dr. Mike Farrell. Dr. Farrell, um, sorry to have you do this a third time, but in case anyone didn't listen to part one or two, can you just briefly introduce yourself for our listeners and viewers? Sure. Um, so my name is Michael Farrell. I am a physical medicine and rehabilitation resident at National Rehabilitation Hospital. Um, and uh, prior to going to uh, medical school. I was a chiropractor from Buffalo, New York. So in part one, we talked about um, Dr. Farrell's journey from chiropractic school to medical school. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check that out. And then in part two, we talked about what is physical medicine and rehabilitation as a specialty, because it's a specialty that a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about. In part three, uh, we're going to start off talking about um, I don't know, we kind of have some different subjects and I don't know how far we're going to get into everything, but we're going to start off talking about like how to deal with um, arguments, for example, the anti-vaccine argument as a physician uh, when you're talking to patients and um, on social media. So um, the reason I want to talk about this, um, Dr. Farrell, is that a while ago you posted a video on your YouTube channel called Anti-Vaccines and Jelly Beans. Mm -hmm. And... Um, in this video, you talked about kind of how to deal with this anti-vaccine argument as a physician, um, not only in the in the clinic, but also on social media, because it's it's one of those things. It's one of those subjects that gets people fired up on both ends from, yep. you know, <laughs> from mm -hmm. both sides a lot. Right. So. Yeah. And so, like, first of all, what triggered you what made you want to make that video in the first place well as a chiropractor i dealt with this argument quite a bit um mm -hmm. you know we talked about it a little bit in part one this really you know balkanization of the profession where we have these two groups and there is a subset within that division that uh believe that we should not be injecting 
things into the body and that the body has everything that it needs and that in order for our Mm -hmm. body to produce immunity the way that it should, that we should be exposed to these pathogens through our respiratory mucosa and then that should be processed so that we go through the so that we go through it um the way that it's intended um Mm -hmm. and so they are very anti-vaccination and then there Mm -hmm. are there's the other side of the profession that is is more science-based more evidence-based that believes that vaccines are a good preventative strategy and that everybody should get them and as a result um during chiropractic school and then also after graduation, being on social media um, in chiropractic forums, I had these arguments a lot, and yeah. you know got into it and and heard both sides of the of the position. And one of the things that I learned during that is that it's it's one of those topics that um, people th- know very little about. They read. Mm-hmm. They read some about it, um, and then they, you know, they probably want to know more, but there's just not enough time in the day to really be up on. I mean, I don't have time to be an immunologist and a chiropractor (laughs) and go to medical school, and I don't pretend to be. Um, And so uh, you get a lot of different opinions. You get a lot of people who are... Who, where they find this information, I don't know, but um, they they kind of share they share this stuff and and they believe wholeheartedly in whatever it is that they've read, and from whatever source that they have if they trust that source. And so you mentioned, oh sorry, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> well, with the with the internet being as expansive as it is, and where you mm-hmm. can get information from pretty much anywhere, how do you know what which of that information is to be trusted and which not? And, and right. you know, in, in the era of fake news and in the era of not knowing, you know, where, you know, what information is real and what information is not. And, and it's really hard for people to discern and differentiate. And um, I, I was noticing that these that the, they kind of come in waves these anti-vaccine things. Yeah. Like it's like you, you see them for a while and then they they go into hibernation and then it starts to make <laughs> the rounds again and you start to right. see it again. And that's kind of what triggered me to make the video is because I've had a lot of these conversations and I think I've I've you know developed a good strategy for how to engage in uh, in these types of arguments. And then I I also started seeing more and more of those posts. And it was like, wow, now's a good time. Now is, is as good a time as any to make a video kind of talking about that. So when you were in chiropractic school, I mean, obviously you would have taken immunology, right? I imagine they, they teach yep. immunology just like they do in medical school. Absolutely. Do they teach you? And, and you also mentioned there's like this spectrum within the chiropractic profession where one end is very much against vaccines and then mm-hmm. the other end is not. Um, do they teach you one way or the other, or is that something you kind of get gain an opinion about after school, depending on maybe who you work with or who you were trained by? Sure. I can't speak to the other chiropractic schools because I'm not really sure, but I know that most, a lot of the schools kind of fall somewhere within that spectrum. Um, Uh we know that there are schools that lean towards one way or the other. Um, I know that Mm -hmm. at Duville, we learned the same immunology that our PA classmates and our 
NP classmates and our PT classmates learned. And yeah. um, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no favoritism given, or there was no uh, spin on it. It was mm-hmm. this is what the evidence shows. This is you know what's out there. Um, and we're going to give you the basic science information for you to really understand the process of why a vaccine can take a small fragment of a, uh, an organism and then process that into antibodies that would then be useful in the future. And right. because we understood that and then we're given access to the literature, we were allowed to then, you know, look into it and kind of make the decisions for ourselves. Um, and so I can't really speak to the other chiropractic mm-hmm. schools of whether or not they were kind of given a uh, a handbook of you know whether or not they were supposed to <laughs> believe in vaccinations <laughs> or not. But I know sure. that for most of the schools, a lot of it um, is they're moving towards just teaching the basic science and then allowing people to kind of find that out on their own um, and and make the inferences on their own. Um, but I, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said. A lot of it has to do with after you leave and you go and you work for somebody, whatever their beliefs are, they tend to kind of pass them off on you. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to work for somebody who, you know, being anti-vaccine is one of their patient recruiting methods, then you have a tendency to be more anti-vaccine. Where if you go to school, if you go to work for somebody who, who deals with just sports injuries and more musculoskeletal injuries they don't ever counsel their patients on Mm -hmm. whether or not they should be getting vaccines or whether they should vaccinate their child so it might never come up and you might never even have to make that decision so i definitely think that it's more a byproduct of kind of where you go after training than it is the chiropractic schools themselves Mm -hmm. kind of doling out propaganda or anything like that because i don't i don't remember that ever being um an issue So I want to talk a little bit about how to deal with this argument in the clinic. I mean, let's say that you are in primary care, maybe you're a a pediatrician, Mm -hmm. right? And then it's time to get the, give the kid vaccinations. uh, And the parent says, I don't want to give my kid vaccinations because my cousin gave their kid the MMR vaccine and now their kid has autism. Like, what do you tell that parent? Sure. (laughs) I... You know, from my, I mean, go ahead. like, yeah. I guess, I guess my opinion over it is it's like, like, like you can't just argue your, your way and you can't just argue and convince the other person that you're right and they're wrong because people have very strong feelings about this subject. And it's like arguing over religion or it's like mm-hmm. arguing over politics, right? Yeah. Nobody wins. And by the end, everyone's just pissed off. Yeah. And so like, how do you do, how do you deal with that as a doctor um, when you face that argument? I think coming to the realization that as a physician, it's not your job to necessarily Mm -hmm. convince them to believe everything that you believe. That's not. um, And it's it's your job to help them to understand the science behind it, because your understanding Mm -hmm. is so much greater than the average person in the public. Um, Right. And if you think about it in that way um, and you and you you know, you realize that your job really is to present them with the information and allow them to then make the most informed decision that they possibly can. Then you kind of can come at it from 
a a different position, a position of almost like neutrality. So yeah, the way that I tend to engage in these conversations is kind of you know that ask tell ask uh, you know thing mm-hmm. that they teach you um, when you're when you're trying to check somebody's understanding of something. In in medical school, they usually will ask tell ask ask them what they know about it, tell them something, and then ask them if they understand it. Is kind of the the basic principle. Yeah. And if you use that same strategy when you're when you're talking to somebody about vaccinations or when you're engaging in an in an online debate about it, you by asking them, what is it about vaccines that you don't like and what evidence do you have and what have you been looking at and what sources are you using? Can I see them so that I can look at them and so that I can read over them and so that I can understand them just like you do? I think right. that by doing that and showing that you are open to seeing their information and to reading their sources mm-hmm. and to kind of embracing their position, mm-hmm. it then opens them up to then allow you to tell them what mm-hmm. the evidence is that you have and what right. the information is that you know. And right. if you can if you can get them to be receptive, then that kind of opens the door for you to make some lasting impacts. And then mm-hmm. when you are done re-asking, you know, now after hearing this, what is it about vaccines that you, and you may never get anywhere. You may, right. this may be a circular argument that you continue to have over and over again, because there are a lot of people who have made their minds up one way or the other. Um, and that's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think having a, a strategy um, and having the information at your disposal yeah. makes it easier for you to at least engage and at least change one or two minds um, right. out there, you know, out of out of a field. And that's where I think medical students can be very valuable in this mm-hmm. setting because it's really hard as a medical student, which you're going to learn that. You have all this information, but you don't necessarily have a way to use it yet. You know, you're spending all this time studying and, you know, people are calling you and they're asking you, uh, hey, Danny, you know, this happened to my aunt the other day. What do you think that they should do? And in reality, you're like, "I, I don't know, but I can tell you, you know, extraneous details about the pathology behind what happened to your aunt but I don't necessarily know what she should do yet because I'm not at that stage of my training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That sets up a med student for being the perfect person to go on to social media and engage in these arguments and have these discussions and mm-hmm. do the ask, tell, ask method on social media and try to educate this person about why vaccines work, why there yeah. they make sense and why that they should why they should do them um and it not only allows you to have a a platform to try to help make a, a significant contribution to medicine even as a medical student because mm-hmm. if we can change 10 percent uh, of the anti-vaccine population and convert them over by engaging them in logical rational discussions that's huge right. that's huge in the long term and and it also helps medical students you know, kind of craft their own way, 
that they can mm-hmm. engage in these types of difficult conversations because the anti-vaccine argument is not the only one that you're going to have. I mean, Z-Dog MD just did a video the other day about parents refusing to have injectable vitamin K to prevent oh. intracranial hemorrhages in babies. Right. So you're not, this is, you know, the anti-vaccine is, is only going to be the start of your difficult conversations that you're going to have with patients and mm-hmm. thing and conversations that you're going to have in things that you just naturally disagree with on your patients. You're yeah. going to come up and, and you're going to have to be able to have those conversations. And so why not start to develop those skills now and use the yeah. information that you have to go online and really kind of um, make a good change? I think that it gives medical students like a purpose to like do something with all the knowledge that they're getting. It's, it's real life. It's practical. Um, and I think that they could really uh, make a huge change in, in kind of guiding these online discussions. So that's kind of the other thing I wanted to talk about is we've talked about how to deal with it in the clinic or mm-hmm. as a doctor, but, um, you know, like these days, most people get their information online. Um, and so, you know, do you think that, that doctors have a responsibility to, um, put some educational information about vaccines online? Because I think, um, you know, a lot of times these, online art or like the online uh, <laughs> platform can just be bombarded with this anti-vaccine argument and if if a parent goes online and types in you know how do vaccines work and then all these anti-vaccine articles come up they're sort of forced to believe that vaccines are bad in a way you know mm-hmm. so so do do physicians and people in healthcare kind of have a responsibility to combat that in a way by putting out um pro-vaccine information what, what are your thoughts about that i think some do um yeah i the way i look at social media right now in medicine is that it's kind it, it's in a weird place it's it's in this not infancy but it, it it's mm-hmm. you're starting to see the tides turn a little bit um and you're seeing more and more physicians engaging on on social media yeah. um and that was almost taboo at first for you know because right. you obviously can't give medical advice on social media <laughs> it's not like somebody can send you a picture of their rash on their leg and you can diagnose them um through that but as telemedicine becomes more of a thing and as i think the engagements on social media are becoming more academic we're starting to see mm-hmm more and more providers um, taking to social media to kind of share their beliefs and their thoughts. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that that those who have a voice and who have a, a presence and a following on social media, um, yeah. I, I think that it's, it's their responsibility to, um, you know, engage in the debates about all healthcare topics, whether it be the opiate epidemic or whatever kind of falls within their scope. Um, and uh, th- the same way that they have an obligation to um, to publish research. Um, right. it's, not a, it's not a mandated thing. It's not, you know, no one's going to show up and, and, and say, we're going to revoke your license if you don't 
you know, have 500 tweets within the next year uh, <laughs> about anti-vaccine. But I, I think that that sense of responsibility that we all feel to maybe publish, um, mm. we should feel the same responsibility about um, going online and engaging and, and at least putting out quality content to combat all of the right. uh, just the garbage that that you see every day. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that as more physicians engage online and they're in that space and they start to see those things that they will, they'll eventually right. um, engage more. They'll, they'll feel the obligation to post more things. Um, at least that's what my experience has been after joining social media and kind of being a fly on the wall for a little while and watching mm-hmm. from afar is that I see a lot of people um, and a lot of really uh, well-known physicians taking on these topics because they do have a voice. Um, and I think that's right. great. I, you know, got guys like Z dog, um, yeah. Who, who do, you know, kind of talk about these things and, and give, uh, more physicians a voice. I, you know, I, I think that's great. I don't think everyone has to do it. Um, but I think that those who choose to kind of engage in that space, uh, are going to, yeah. are going to end up taking up the mantle. Right. Well, I think we hit some really good points in this part three. And I think uh, right now I'm just going to, we're going to wrap up this this part three. And I just want to thank you a bunch for taking the time to be on this three-part series. And to our listeners, if you haven't listened to part one and two yet, I recommend going and listening to those. But yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a great time. And uh, I wish you luck as you start off on your medical journey. Um, and uh, I know you're going to do great things. Hey everyone, this is Danny again. I just want to thank you for listening to this episode and feel free to follow us on Instagram at medical.school.podcast and if you have any suggestions for any subjects you'd like us to talk about on this podcast, shoot me a message.